It wasn't until I was broke, felt like a loser on my sister's couch for two years, and my father wasn't there to support me anymore. It was like, oh, I've got to figure this out. It was a necessity for me to learn. Otherwise, I probably wouldn't be where I'm at if my father didn't go through that and I didn't go through all those things at that time. I would have just kind of like had the backup plan and never been forced to. Mm. But it gave me this desire to be more, to reach a potential of another life that I never even thought was possible outside of sports. And it's been a, it's been a challenging but beautiful journey. Welcome to Screw It, Just Do It, brought to you by Startup You, inspiring and supporting entrepreneurs to make a full-time living doing what you love. I'm your host, Alex Chisnell, fellow entrepreneur, Virgin mentor, and founder of Startup You, the regional partner of Virgin Startup, providing startup funding, mentoring, and support. Each episode features the stories from two entrepreneurs at different stages in their journey who talk us through their successes and failures. You get to take on board all of their learnings and none of the failure. Today's podcast is brought to you by Hayes, with the number one recruiting experts in the UK. Whether you're searching for your perfect job or looking to scale your business by building the perfect team, go to hayes.co.uk, quoting Startup You. Welcome to episode 27 of Screw It, Just Do It. I'm your host, Alex Chisnell, and I'd like to welcome you on today's show. Got two awesome guests for you on today's show. Uh, First up, we've got Lewis Howes, personal hero of mine, uh, lifestyle entrepreneur and New York Times bestselling author. And we've also got Chris Wright from Marketing Funnels Group, who loves building businesses and loves working with people on their businesses. He's also got two amazing free giveaways for you, our audience, um, at the end of his podcast. So do stay tuned for that. Uh, Before we get going, just like to bring your attention to the fact that we're wrapping up events uh, for the year um, this November. So um, this podcast went live on the 8th of November. So if you're listening to it today, we have our last event in Bournemouth at this workspace. And we've got a former guest of the show, Nick Coleman from the Snaffling Pig, Virgin's Foodpreneur 2017. And we've also got Andy Lennox from the Code Tie Group. And on the 22nd of this month, our last event of the year is going to be in Brighton with, again, another guest of the show, Pip Murray from Pip and Nut. So if you'd like to go to either of those events, please do find yourself onto our Facebook page where you can grab tickets um, on Startup ULTD. That's Startup ULTD. And we've got uh, an announcement next week for our January guests. Got a special announcement to amazing speakers, to high-profile speakers there. So do stay tuned for that. Um, What other news have we got for you? So we've also got um, a huge milestone that um, myself and my business startup, you, we've now helped 204 entrepreneurs um, over the last two years, and we've also lent them over three million pounds to start and scale their businesses. If you'd like to find out more, again, go to our Facebook page, Startup You Limited, where you'll be able to find out how we can help you. Um, 
And if you love the podcast, love to know how you can start your own podcast and help you grow your business, um, then we've got a course um, in Bournemouth at our HQ at this workspace on December the 6th. Um, and again, you can you can book onto that course by going onto our Facebook page. And we'd love to see you on there. We've got really limited spaces, only got 10 spaces available for this first course, which is a Virgin Startup Masterclass. So please jump on board. I'd love to be able to help you set up your own podcast and learn to monetize it. Um, moving on to today's show. So first up, we have got Lewis Howes. So Lewis, as I say, is a, a personal hero of mine uh, who is absolutely stoked to get on the show. Um, he is a New York Times bestselling author of the hit book, The School of Greatness, and author of his latest book, The Mask of Masculinity. He's a lifestyle entrepreneur, high-performance business coach, and keynote speaker. He's also been named by Obama as one of the top 100 entrepreneurs in the country under 30 and has been featured on many programs from The Ellen Show through to Forbes, um, ESPN Sports Illustrated, Men's Health, you name it. This guy is a huge um, entrepreneur in, in the States and very well known in the UK and across the globe. So absolutely over the moon to have him on board the show. And without further ado, we are going to start up. For someone who said they, they struggled with books as a, as a kid, who was more surprised uh, that you've written two books, including a New York Times bestseller, you or those closest to you? <laughs> I think I think I am, uh, yeah. just because I almost flunked out of English in high school and never felt like I was a good writer um, my whole life. It wasn't until I got into college when I... I was like the worst student because I would wait until the night before every big test or every big paper, I should say, or report that we had to do. I would wait till the night before and sometimes two or three hours before I would actually start writing it. And I found something out early on with that. When I had that pressure and that, that, that deadline, I became actually really good at writing and kind of just BSing my way through these essays and just making stuff up. Mm -hmm. um, and somehow like started to get better structuring, formatting, stor telling stories when I had that short window of time. And then when I got into kind of the online marketing world, you know, eight, nine years ago, blogging was a big thing. And I just studied, like, how do you tell a short story? You know, how do you tell something in 500 or 750 words and really captivate and hook people from beginning to the end while giving great resources, adding value? And so I kind of learned, I kind of taught myself through just watching other great bloggers tell great stories online and i think that's kind of how i got my chops writing mm -hmm. and and i guess looking back now i'm assuming being being an author as a as a potential career growing up was was never remotely even on your radar never thought about it man i never thought about being a writer or an author or being a new york Times bestseller and um but i did believe in sh sharing my voice and getting my message out there and being a catalyst for people. I always saw myself as a catalyst. Early on, it was with sports. I I didn't think I was smart enough to speak in front of people to have anything interesting to say, but I did believe I could be a great athlete and I could inspire and wow people with my performance on the field or on the basketball court or on the track. And I loved the feeling after in a game would someone would come up to me and say, you know what? 
you really lifted me up today. That one move you did or where you didn't fight and you came back and you scored or this and that, it really lifted me up. You showed me what was possible for my life. And I loved that feeling, that impact that I could have through doing something I loved and hearing stories of people. So I've always wanted to recreate that when I was done with sports. I said, I got to figure out a way I can be a catalyst for people to show them what's possible in their life by me living my dreams. And, um, you know, writing, doing the podcast, all that stuff has kind of helped. And was wanting to be a pro athlete, the the only childhood dream? Mm-hmm. Literally. That was it, man. That yeah. was it. I mean, uh, I didn't have any other dreams because I didn't think I was capable of doing anything else. I didn't know how to make money. I wasn't an entrepreneur. I didn't even know what an entrepreneur meant or didn't have that mindset mm. until after sports, I was – you know, on my sister's couch for a couple of years, try, I was recovering from a surgery where I had an injury and um, was trying to figure out what was next. I went through a, a dark time because my identity was shattered from not being able to play sports anymore. And also, just before I got injured playing football, my dad went through a pretty big accident where he um, he was on vacation in New Zealand and he got in a car accident where a car came up on top of his roof of his car the bumper came through the windshield and hit him in the head wow. and he was in a coma for three months and they had to cut the car in half, airlift him out. And we didn't know if he was going to live or not. We had no clue. We, were, we just knew he was on in a coma in life support in the hospital. And so for me, this was a turning point because I was so used to having my father kind of mentor and guide me my whole life and, you know, provide for me financially, inspire me. He was like, you know, whenever you're done with sports, you can always come back and work for me. So I had this kind of backup plan in my dad that never forced me to get creative with anything else. Mm. Then when he went through his injury, he's still alive today. He yeah. finally woke up and uh, he's just never been the same. Uh, he's he's not emotionally there the way he was. He's not mentally all there the way he was. can still have a conversation with him, but he's very forgetful and just – kind of a different energy now, which has been a whole nother letting go experience for me. But in those two year window, he was really in a rough spot and we had to kind of teach him how to walk and talk and read and write and, and just move again for those couple of years. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, I have this, you know, my father who I'm essentially taking care of can't take care of me anymore. Yeah. And my dream is done, my identity, who am I? I was just kind of going through this darker phase where I knew there was something bigger for me. I didn't know what it was, but I just knew that this wasn't going to be my story. And I said, I'm going to figure this stuff out. And I started seeking out mentors early on who were just local, successful business owners, people who had achieved certain things, who had made some financial gains, who professional speakers I started mentoring with, um, marketers, inventors, designers. I just wanted to, I was thirsty for information. My education really began after I was done with college. Mm. That's when I started to learn and I became so hungry for, um, information to help improve my life. And that's when everything kind of started to shift. I didn't have this again, backup plan with my dad, so it forced me to think differently. It forced me to think, okay, how can I get someone to pay me 50 bucks? How can I get someone to give me $100? How can I survive? Because 
Otherwise, I'm not going to make any money. And this was right in the crisis of 2008, 2009. The economy in the U.S. was going down and people with master's degrees were getting fired. And I didn't even have a college degree yet. So, And I also didn't want to go get a job at the time because I had this taste of a professional life, uh, professional athlete lifestyle that was amazing. Mm. And I was just like, how can I recreate this? How can I recreate this in my in my life? And um, yeah, so my dad getting injured, me losing my dream, and, and all those things kind of at the same time happening really got me to be creative. And a lot of people ask, you know, do you think you're born as an entrepreneur or you can be made one? And I definitely was not born one. I was made one because really? of circumstances. Yeah. Uh, uh, circumstances. Hmm. I never made money. I never knew how to make money. I, I was like, you know, worked on a golf course, getting paid whatever, six bucks an hour. I worked as a bouncer at a nightclub. I worked as a truck driver all during high school and college. I never, I was never like, oh, let me start a lemonade stand. Let me trade baseball cards. Like I was never that guy who was always entrepreneurial. Never. I was terrified. It wasn't until I was broke, felt like a loser on my sister's couch for two years and my father wasn't there to support me anymore. It was like, oh, I've got to figure this out. It was a necessity for me to learn. Otherwise, I probably wouldn't be where I'm at if my father didn't go through that and I didn't go through all those things at that time. I would have just kind of like had the backup plan and never been forced to. Mm. But it gave me this desire to be more, to reach a potential of another life that I never even thought was possible outside of sports. And it's been a, it's been a challenging but beautiful journey. And is that when you start, started first forming the vision for, for what you've gone on to achieve? Because I was, you know, listen, always listen to your podcast yeah. and listen to the, the one last Friday when it was, uh, you know, talking about, talking about vision for five minutes. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah. yeah, was that when you first started putting that together? <sighs> I mean, I've always had dreams since I was a kid. I always dreamed of the life that I wanted to live. And so dreaming and, ha- and getting clear on my vision was never an issue for me where, I, where so many people come to me and say, well, how do you find your purpose or your passion? And uh, for me, I've always felt like whatever I feel most inspired by, I just lean into that. And that yeah. becomes part of my vision. You know, the thing that lights me up the most, that excites me the most, the thing that gives me the most joy, where I can use my gifts and talents for the most good. I'm like, that's my, that's my purpose. Otherwise, if anything else is boring and lame and not fun, why would I make that my vision when I could have a more fulfilling, rich experience throughout life uh, pursuing my vision? So for me, at that point, the vision was how do I get off my sister's couch? How do I make some money so I can feel like an adult? Mm. And um, But I also wanted to do things that were interesting to me. Now, we don't always get that choice where we get to do things that are like fun all the time and make us a lot of money. So for years, I had to work hard and work for free for mentors to learn until a little bit of money started coming in. And even then, I was teaching LinkedIn to people, you know, because that's something I was just mastering early on to connect with mentors. Mm. And I wanted mentors to get – I wanted potential mentors to respond to me on LinkedIn. So I learned how to master my LinkedIn profile and optimize it so people would – think I'm credible enough that they would email me back. That's how I got into LinkedIn because I was like, here's someone I want to connect with, but why would they talk to me when I'm just some like scrub living on my sister's couch? (laughs) So I was like, you know, 
professional athlete, two sport all American. I was like using all my credentials to lead with this like credibility and really started to just study LinkedIn. Like what works, what looks clean? What are these other profiles that are epic looking to me? Who would I respond to? Mm. And I just started to like dive in deeper and deeper and deeper. And people kept saying to me, wow, you have a great looking profile. Can you help me? And friends, I just started helping for free. And then one guy said, here's a hundred bucks. This is going to change my business. And I was like, really? You'll pay me for this? <laughs> this is just something I'm doing every day for fun because I'm trying to get in touch with, you know, interesting people that could potentially give me the answers to my challenges. Mm. And, um, and I just leaned into it. You know, I made a hundred bucks here, another couple hundred bucks. Then people, you know, I realized like, at the time, Twitter meetups were a big thing, tweet-ups back in the day, 2008. I said, huh, there's something to this. Maybe I can create like LinkedIn meetups. And so I started forming groups on LinkedIn, just kind of like Facebook groups today. And I started cultivating these communities of people that were struggling and needed resources and needed connections. And I was just the curator. And I said, let's throw these events. I threw 20 events around the country in a year and started making – you know, a few hundred bucks, then a thousand bucks, then just optimizing. How can I make these events more efficient? How can I make more money? How can I sell sponsorships, get a commission from the food and bar? How can I sell tickets at the door? How can I, you know, do consulting services around LinkedIn here? How can I, I wrote a book and I was selling books. I was just like, any way I could make money around these events, I'm going to figure out the angle. And just little by little, I started to learn and progress and get better and then I created a course. People were like, can you teach me more of this? So I w- leaned into it. Mm. Let me create a, a video training course on LinkedIn and had no clue what I was doing. I just made <laughs> mistakes and continued to fail forward and just like, oh, okay, that sucked. But I made a few grand still. So let me make it better and try to make more. And just kept leaning into this. Because for me, the vision was how can I not be broke and, and have financial freedom first? So I leaned into the thing that I could do that with. Then eventually I got kind of bored with just talking about, you know, adding a photo to your LinkedIn profile a thousand times a day that I was like, this is not my purpose anymore. Yeah. And I, and I had to reflect, uh, and look at, you know, the direction of my, that I wanted to go in my life. I said, yes, this has been great financially and it's made a great impact on people's business, but it's not the thing that excites me the most. And if I want to live the richest life, what could I do? What would I be doing every single day? Who would I be spending my time with? What activities would I be doing? So I just started to continue to reevaluate. And I really liked this idea of getting kind of back to my roots of just connecting with the most fascinating people in the world Mm -hmm. and learning from them. And and as opposed to using it for my own benefit, which was what I was doing for the first four years. Yeah. And I helped myself build a multi-million dollar kind of online social media course business I said, how could, you know, there's so many people that would love to hear these things that I'm getting to hear behind the scenes and at, you know, at dinners, at these events and on the phone with these leaders, like they're sharing so much with me and I just wish the world could hear this. So I said, I'm going to start up, you know, my own podcast and do it once a week where I just interview my friends who are doing some of the most fascinating things in the world and share it with the world. And it just took off. Mm. And from there, I was like, okay, this is actually what I wanted to do five, six years ago. But I didn't have the credibility. I didn't have the platform. I didn't have the results to really make it a massive impact um, on this information. 
And um, so I did it when the timing was right and it, it, it took off. And then I said, okay, how can I continue to build and impact people through this same message? So we started creating courses. We started writing books. We started doing events. We started doing stuff for people all over the world so they could get connected to the singular message of how to live your best life, how to make a full-time living doing the thing you love and feel the most fulfilled in the process. And that's what I've always wanted to do and teach. Mm, it certainly resonates with me and obviously with millions of other people given the you know the following you have now. And I'm interested to know what, what people have been the most influential in your life uh, along, along the way, along this journey. You know, I, I've had 540-something episodes now, and I just feel like so many powerful people that I've gotten to connect with and learn from, I feel very blessed. And I can give lessons from all of them, but mm. some of the early early on ones that were inspiring for me, Tony Robbins I had on three times, and the first time was just kind of like a meaningful moment where it was a full circle moment where I saw him when I was 16 with my mom one day um, at an event that we went to, and he was there, and he walked off the stage Probably about halfway through the day, he kind of walked off through the stage into the audience, and he kept walking back closer and closer to me, and he stopped right next to me and, and said something for a minute or two to the rest of the 15,000 people there. And I can't remember exactly what he said, but I remember the presence he had. I remember the energy and the clarity of his being, and just that it was just radiating off of him. You know, he was like four or five feet from me. Mm. And I was like, wow, I want to create that in my life. I want to have that energy in whatever I do. And it was more his way of being was so clear. And I was like, that's, you know, what I want to create from my life is that clarity that anytime I interact with someone, that they feel a catalyst the way I felt with him, I wanted to create that for others where I was a catalyst for them mm. where it didn't really matter what I said in that moment, but they just felt like this shift in energy where they're like, oh, it's possible. Whatever it is in my life that I want, it's possible. That's what I want to create through all my work, through every interview I do, through every book that I write, through every event that I host, whatever it may be, I want people to feel this catalyst, the same way that I was on the sports field back in high school and college when they would come up to me after the game and say, that moment gave me something different right now. I was depressed or sad or confused, but something that you just did, your way of being in that moment, catching that football and that, that beauty, that grace, that artistic ability inspires me to go do my thing now. And that's what I've always wanted, to live my dreams fully, live my life fully, so that people see it's possible for them as well. That must have been phenomenal at the age you were, especially at 16 years old. <laughs> it was crazy. I mean, I was one of the youngest people there. Yeah. And um, I didn't really know who he was that much. I'd kind of heard of him. But to see him in person at that point opened me up because mm. I think all teenagers are kind of going through their own stuff and confused. And it was just like, whoa, this is different. And – I remember saying, like, it'd be cool one day to be able to do this, like stand in front of a, you know, 15,000 people and, and do that. Now, little did I, I was like, but I don't think I'll be able to because I couldn't stand in front of my class without yeah. getting nervous. Mm. So it was like a, he planted a seed in me 
And, you know, you spend 15 years of working on something and overcoming fears and practicing it every single week and day, you start to improve and start to show yourself that things are possible. Um, I just didn't know it would be uh, at this level kind of this quickly, but it's been a, a beautiful journey. I bet. And I remember listening to that the last time you interviewed him on, on, on the podcast. And I think it was about his book, Money, that had just come out yes. as well. And uh, interested to know, you know, you, you must meet so many influential people in your life. How, how many of those people, when they talk about their stories, do you, you take something and, and implement it in your life? I try to take one thing from every episode and test it or apply it or be mindful of That's that cool. thing. Yeah. And. I just because I get so much information that my girlfriend will tell me after I do an interview, she's like, "So tell me what happened. Like, tell me about it." And I'm like, "Uh, it's just you know." I was like, "I'm like, go listen to it because I just spent <laughs> an hour doing it. It was powerful." But I just try to take one idea and and test it and see how it can improve my life. So, yeah. and and interested to know, I recently interviewed. Um, a chap over here called uh, Richard Reed, who had a smoothie company called Innocent that um, he ended up selling to Coca-Cola a couple of years ago for, for over 500 million. And he just built, uh, set, set a book out, which was called um, one, one Thing, One Piece of Advice. And he literally interviewed everyone from Bill Clinton to the to the Dalai Lama. And, and he was saying, you know, certain characteristics um, – certain winning characteristics that he'd take from from all of the people that he interviewed and and one of them for was, was was meditation was mindfulness and i know that's something that's you know very close to your heart so i just wanted to get your your thoughts on that as well was that something that you've come across speaking to the the people that you speak to and something you practice yourself obviously you know i started doing meditation back in my freshman year in college and and um for sports it would helped me visualize what I wanted to create in the games or in the practices the next day. And I would usually do it at night and I would go to, go to bed at night dreaming of what I wanted to do the next day in my practice or in the game. And, um, I was always doing like guided meditations back in the day, which were very powerful. So before people were even talking about meditation that I knew, I thought I always had this edge, at least as an athlete, because no one else was really doing it. They were talking, people were talking about the visualization and things like that in sports psychology, but it wasn't like mainstream like it is today. And um, it's been one of the most powerful things. When I do it consistently, I notice that I get better results in life. And when I'm off, because sometimes I'll go off of it because I'm just busy or not mindful of it, and or I think I don't need it, which you don't necessarily, if you can be mindful throughout the day and take moments to breathe and reflect, you don't need to sit for 15, 20 minutes and, and do it. I just think it helps when you do. Um, but I would definitely say that creating awareness and constantly being grateful and constantly breathing and relaxing the mind will make you a higher performer throughout the day when stressful times come your way. And so I think if you don't have a way of cultivating that, whether it be if it, even if it's not through meditation, through some other way, then I don't know how you're going to get there without being mindful at some point and being aware of your intention for the day, what you want to create, and seeing yourself creating it. So it's a powerful tool. Mm. And um, I know you're, you're busy uh, with the schedule, with the with the launch of the book, Mask of Masculinity. Um, looking back and kind of teeing that up to finish with, Lewis, um, when you talk about the success you had with the with the 
School of Greatness book and the, the New York Times bestseller there. Um, in hindsight, you were you you were anything but happy. Um, when mm-hmm. when do you think you've you've been at your happiest, and what do you think people can take away from this book? Hmm. I think happiest is when I'm grateful, when I'm growing, and when I'm giving back. It's all in the journey towards the the dreams at which I'm actually happiest. It's kind of like the small wins every day where I'm happiest when I, when I know I'm growing towards something, and I'm also know that what I'm doing is not just serving me, but it's giving back to others or humanity or, or to the world in some way. I feel like my life has more purpose and meaning than just let me achieve all these things for myself. So uh, I've started to shift that more and more over the last few years, and I've noticed a deeper sense of inner peace, a deeper sense of fulfillment, as opposed to me needing to win everything and me needing to be right in everything and me needing to have all the accomplishments in order to increase my self-worth, because all those things were never enough, because I just didn't have self-worth in myself, Mm. and I didn't just appreciate the journey. I always needed something to achieve in order to feel like people were going to love me or accept me or that I you know, was worthy in the world. And that's when I started to really dive into this topic of you know, the masks that men wear because it's all defense mechanisms that, that men put on these masks to try to look impressive or try to fit in. Mm-hmm. And uh, when you try to fit in by being something you're not – then it's hard to appreciate yourself because you're never fully authentic because you're always trying to be someone you're not to fit into other people. And so you start to resent yourself. You start to resent others. You start to get angry. And we start to express ourselves through unhealthy ways as opposed to healthy emotions that allow us to heal, that allow us to feel, that allow us to experience relationships in a vulnerable way. And so I realized as my life was trying to prove people wrong who hurt me growing up or thought I was stupid or thought I wasn't good enough. It always came from a place of, I'm going to show you, I'm going to prove you wrong. And that's a powerful fuel. Mm. I mean, it kept me disciplined. It kept me structured. It kept me fighting through pain. It kept me, you know, hungry to, to, to achieve but then when i would achieve it left me feeling so empty and lonely inside that i was just angry after my achievements and i said okay i need to go after something bigger so i can feel like a bigger victory Mm. and every time i would achieve it it was just like well why am i still unhappy (laughs) you know i'm making good money i'm achieving these things why am i still unhappy and that's when i started to really kind of tap into all the things that I've never addressed in my life, you know, being sexually abused as a kid, no one ever knew about that until four years ago, mm. going through all like the, the fears and insecurities I've had as a man. I was never willing to share them because I didn't want people, because I wanted to fit in. I wanted mm. people to like me. I wanted people to accept me. And I didn't want them to know that I felt abused or stupid or insecure or fearful. And so I just needed to do the research for myself to learn like, how can I continue to grow and heal as a man? And as I started writing this book, I realized, wow, this is probably going to be, this is the most important thing I've ever done so far in my life. Because especially now with all the mass killings that are happening, with all the racial 
tension and the political tension and just the domestic violence and the you know the pain of just humanity and the pain on our society and the pain on our environment a lot of it stems from men who are hurt inside who are hurt scared and afraid and therefore need to attack other people things whatever in order to be right in order to win and in order to get what they want as opposed to expressing themselves vulnerably and opening up about their fears and just having deeper conversations and looking for solutions as opposed to how can I be right and everyone else be wrong. So that's what this this book for me was about, was healing for myself, healing for all the men in the world to start expressing themselves in a healthier way. And then also showing women how they can understand the men in their lives who are aggressive, who don't show emotions, who are driven by money and, and starting to understand the science and the psychology behind the men in their lives, their fathers, their husbands, their brothers, their sons, why they're disconnected and how to get them to take off the masks without making them wrong so they can have deeper relationships with the men in their lives. And that's what it's all about. And you think that carries on your, your, your message of, of being the catalyst yeah, I think, you know, there's not many tall, white, successful business jock-looking men who are opening up about being sexually abused, who are opening up about their biggest fears and insecurities, who are talking about vulnerability with men. And I felt like I had a responsibility with how I look, my background, my experiences, that I had a responsibility to to put myself out there and uh, lead by example to just be someone who can talk about it. Mm. And I've heard so many men, you know, I've opened up about stuff on my podcast and things like that. And, and when I do, so many men email me and say, thank you. <laughs> thank you. You've given me permission to finally start expressing myself the way I've always wanted to, the way I used to as a kid before my parents told me not to cry, before my, my, my friends told me I was a little girl when I showed emotion or shoved me in a locker for having an open heart when, you know, all the times I wanted to, I've never been able to. So thank you for giving me permission. Some men have emailed me and said, you know, thank you. I was sexually abused as a kid and I've been married for 30 years and I've never told my wife and I'm finally going to tell her. And it's like men feel like they don't have the permission to open their hearts because they've always got to be strong and put together and be under control. And it's slowly killing men. You know, it's why men commit more suicide than women. Mm. It's because they don't have the way to express themselves. Yeah, yeah. That's healthy. Well, women are constantly expressing all their pains and fears and insecurities to each other. You know, they're always having those conversations of what's going wrong or what's, you know, frustrated with them or how the relationship is or whatever. And they're able to, to process things, whereas some men have been conditioned not to process it, to just be strong. And that's a heart attack waiting to happen. Mm. And um, it's it. It's just creating a more of emotional awareness, emotional expression, and, and emotional fitness for men to be able to express themselves in healthy, loving, vulnerable ways to connect them to who they really are. Well, 
I could talk to you all day, but I know you've, you've got to go. So I'd just like to, you know, thank you for the opportunity to, to share your message. And I'm, I'm sure it will be a, a huge catalyst because it often takes, you know, a role model for, especially for males, I think, to, to identify with. I, I think, you know, given your background at the sports angle as well, maybe that opens up stuff because there's so few people in, in sports, both in the UK and the US, I know, who actually, you know, admit their, their sexuality, for example, and, you know, huge issues like that as well. So I, I do wish you all the best with that. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Well, I've had so many requests as well to ask, you know, if, if when, when you're coming over to the UK and if, if you do decide to come over in the future, you know, we'd love to, to help you support any events that you'd like to do here at Virgin. So keep in touch. Yeah, I would love to come over to London. I keep getting asked to do that. So we'll have to we'll have to do some event together. Awesome. We'd love to do that. Okay. Well, th- thanks a lot, Lewis. Much appreciated and wish you all the best with the book. I appreciate it. Thanks, man. Cheers. Bye now. So I hope you enjoyed that interview with Lewis Howes. Um, I could have talked to Lewis for hours, but given that he's promoting his book, Mask of Masculinity, um, he's got limited time. He's doing a ton of interviews, so absolutely stoked to get him on the show. Um, so many things you can take away. I love the story of him being 16 and li- hearing and seeing Tony Robbins speak and how powerful that must have been at that age and um, how that's impacted his life subconsciously and then consciously um, to become what he has become today. Um, And something to take away from that, I think, is um, the fact that Lewis was using LinkedIn to connect with with mentors to help him. You know, who who can you connect with um, that can move you and your business forward? What tools are there out there? And it's so much easier today than it was 10 years ago, 20 years ago to be able to do that. So um, who can you connect with that can move you or your business forward? Is that through LinkedIn? Is it through another social platform? Is it leveraging friends and family to be able to connect with people um, who can do that for you? also love the fact that um, that he said he, he was, wasn't born to be an entrepreneur. He's very much made himself into one. Um, so again, whether you're thinking along similar lines, you know, what can you lean into that you're good at that can help you get to where you want to be? With Lewis, it happened to be sports initially that then enabled him to become a role model and turn his hand into any number of businesses um what is it that you can lean into that you happen to be good at and we're all good at something um and finally personal one really is and something i take from lewis's story as well is is that of perseverance um you know you'd be surprised and this kind of leans into um being connecting with people um it took me 10 months to get lewis on the show i first contacted him contacted him back in january and i kept on kept on going and you'd be amazed you know some people some people say yes some people say no um you know whatever's meant to be will be but you you have to be determined you you have to be able to be prepared not to give up and you will get your just rewards in the end so keep pushing someone somewhere will be listening to this right now alex and they'll go no one's done this in my industry or, <laughs> yeah and i'm like okay a that's probably not true but b even if it was like look outside of your industry like someone has you know built a business in you know any industry like look at what they've done study what they've done and kind of go how you know how can i apply that to my to my business how can i apply that to where i want to go because like 
even if you were, uh, you know, uh, a designer, right? If you're a self-employed designer, you're no different to a self-employed personal trainer, right? You, you still, the, you're only paid for the time that you're working. Mm. So it's the same principles, you know, building a team, growing and kind of marketing, et cetera, to, to build your business. So it's time for our second guest on today's show, which is going to be Chris Wright. Before we do, I'd just like to answer uh, a question, which I'd like to do every week. So this one comes from uh, someone called Peter Kozadoy, who's a columnist from New York City. And um, he asked me, what's my favorite part of being an entrepreneur? And I think something I can relate to from, from the chat I just had with Lewis Howes is, personally, it's being able to impact other people so the fact that being able to help over 200 people um, start and scale their businesses lend three million pounds which is going to create a whole load of jobs for new people as well as growing those entrepreneurs businesses is is huge for me absolutely massive um, and that leads me nicely on to introducing Chris um, he's got a couple of free gifts he'd love to give away which will impact your business um, in a huge way as well. So a couple of things he's going to offer you at the end of this interview. So please do stay tuned. Um, Chris is a personal friend of mine. I've known for quite a while now. Um, Chris loves building businesses, started out in the health and fitness industry, and now through his group Marketing Funnels um, is able to help um Far more people, entrepreneurs, small, medium business owners, right across the board. Um, and he loves working with people on their businesses. So stick around and listen to this interview I've got with Chris. I believe you started uh, in 2011 uh, with Pursuit Fitness, opening your first fitness facility in 2013. Um, which you still have that business. And then 2014, you transferred the coaching skills that you have to coaching other business owners. Um, then launching Level 10 Living in 2016, a personal development site for entrepreneurs. And then th later this year, you started uh, a marketing funnels group. So which one is your favorite child? <laughs> yeah, I, I knew you were going to ask me that. You were setting <laughs> me up for that one. I was. Uh, and, and to pick one would be unfair because... All of them have given me skills and given me kind of lessons in uh, that have got me to where I am now, right? So yeah, good answer. Pursuit was like the starting one. That was where you know I went from standalone personal trainer in a gym to which um, at my in my head at the time I was like, yeah, I'm a business, and then I was like, oh crap, I'm absolutely not a business. Like <laughs> if I go away on holiday, I don't get paid. If I get injured, I don't get paid. Like that's not a business for me. Mm. Um. And then taking that, as you said, turning it into like the actual fitness facility, building a team like that has been. And yeah, I still own that um, business now. And that has that has been just like, I guess, my guinea pig for everything that I do. Like when we're tri trialing new marketing things, it goes into there first. Like it's kind of just been that was my that was my first baby, if you know what I mean. And that was the kind of thing that kicked it all off and started it all off and kind of got the ball rolling. But all of them, I just like. Oh, just I, as I said, each one of them has given me skills, lessons, ups, downs, <laughs> like throughout it all, which I which I wouldn't replace any of them. So I, I don't think you, I don't think I can pick one that is my uh, my all time favorite. Okay, and, and um, as I understand, um, going back to a point you just made, having recently injured yourself, this time yeah. I'm assuming you managed to get paid while you've been off. <laughs> yeah, hundred percent. So uh, we we were chatting just off uh, beforehand, and I've. Uh, 11 weeks ago, I snapped my Achilles. 
uh, playing playing football, which was one of my goals to get back into this year properly. But uh, <laughs> so a bit of a disaster. But yeah, and I, the one thing I kept coming back to is if this was, you know, four is it four, five, six, four, four or five, six years ago, I'd have been absolutely screwed. Like personal trainer, not able to work for, you know, like 11 weeks in now. And I've still got what another probably two, three months of rehab before I can, you know, properly walk, run, jump, etc. So um, that would have been, you know, six months out of a year is that would have absolutely crushed me, Alex. So yeah, one of the biggest things for me was, okay, like, yeah, you're right. Yes, I still got paid. And yes, I was able to do a lot of my work that I could do then from the computer, from a sofa or from the bed or whatever. Uh, but that was, for me, one of the biggest things. Like, I was just so pleased that I had the team in place and had built a business that allowed, <laughs> I was about to say that allowed that to happen. But, you know, <laughs> same, same kind of thing as when you go you on holiday, right? It, it, it can create freedom in that uh, respect as well. Mm, because as with many trainers out there, if you were still a one-man band 11 weeks in, all your clients would be somewhere else, wouldn't they? Because they're not going to hang uh-huh. around forever. 100% and, and not because they didn't like me just because no. they want to get the result that they'd signed up for and they'd have gone off and found the solution elsewhere and so is Pursuit Fitness giving you the platform to be able to do all of these other things that you, you currently enjoy doing so um, having the marketing funnels group uh, hosting your own podcast of coach, co- coaching other business owners is that all stuff that wouldn't be able to happen if you didn't already have that platform in, in Pursuit Fitness yeah, for for two reasons, I think like uh, that's a great question, Alex. Like the the first point is yes, pursuit like because it kind of now is a, a stage that runs without me, the, the fitness business, right? I can I kind of pop in, um, you know, once or twice a week, kind of, and then I know I normally get booted out because they're like <laughs> we get less done when you're here, um, but but that's quite a good feeling because it kind of it, you know they I know that they're cranking, I know that the team are moving forward and and don't need me there to hold their hand to do it. Mm. and and as you said that's allowed me more so the time to go and focus on other projects you know to go and explore other options but also platform in the sense of it allowed me to develop the skills that like, i couldn't go I, for me i couldn't go and coach business owners if i hadn't done how about if i hadn't built the business yeah. right um and i couldn't you know provide marketing expertise for me unless i'm implementing it somewhere or have implemented it right so it's kind of allows me to be like hey look i've actually been through what you're going through like those ups and downs that you're going through as an entrepreneur i also go through on a day-to-day basis so yeah platform in the sense of the time it gives me to go and do that but also from the kind of the experiential point of view and, and being able to actually understand and be able to feel what people are going through does that make sense yeah yeah no no absolutely and um, and what's the end goal for for chris rock then what's 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 the mission statement what are you what are you pursuing i suppose yeah my my biggest driver my biggest focus the thing that i get like super excited about is helping entrepreneurs right it's it's i say help help and uh someone i spoke to ages ago is like people aren't helpless and i was like no no i agree with you and i don't mean help i mean you know support coach grow with them like learn from them like if we like the world for me the world runs on entrepreneurs right we like entrepreneurs are the reason that like everyone has you know jobs everyone kind of grows like all the for me all the exciting stuff comes from some person some entrepreneur some story right and the more of that we can have in this world the better i think the world would be a a better place and i think there's lots of people that would love to go and be an entrepreneur to be a business owner and for whatever reason you know have these blocks these obstacles and i want to kind of help those people smash through those obstacles go set up their businesses go grow because a the world needs it but b just when someone takes control of their own like kind of destiny their own future like that's 
that's awesome, right? That's yeah. for me, that's kind of like seeing people like build a business and have their like kind of, you know, their dream lifestyle or whatever it is based on the vehicle that they've created. Like, that's cool. That, that's what gets me like buzzing. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm exactly the same. That's the most exciting thing for me is that someone takes charge of their own destiny rather than continuing to be that, that hamster in the wheel. Then that's, that's the biggest uh, adrenaline rush without, without a shadow of a doubt. Hundred percent, and and going back to that point that you just made, what was anything holding you back from becoming an entrepreneur before? Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't think from becoming an entrepreneur as such. Um, I, I, one, I've never had a full time salaried position. Um, it was just, I, I guess, it was just, it was ne- never within my makeup to do so. <laughs> um, you know, everything I did, like I did a lot of um, football coaching. I think the closest thing I you could say I had to a job was I went out to the States for five months and coached quote unquote soccer um, out there. And even that was like, okay, so you're needed for three hours here, three hours there. Like it was, you know, and then the rest of the time I was off, you know, going around the cities and having a, having a, you know, having a laugh, having a good time. Mm. So it's kind of, I think the biggest things from holding me back were me understanding or kind of me, me realizing what was possible. Mm. Like, and I think it, it always comes back to me, like my own mindset, right? And the biggest blocks we normally put up are from within our own minds, right? Yeah. And I think for me, just I, I never pictured being able to grow a business, you mm. know, of, of any size, you know, right? And the idea of having a fitness studio, I was like, well, that's you know, I'm never going to be there. Mm. That's not that's not going to be me. Like, I might be, you know, I might be able to set up myself as a self-employed PT in a gym. Like, that seems manageable. Do you know what yeah. I mean? I just think I think I probably set my I think my expectations were just way, way, way too low when I first started. And it just, the biggest barrier or the biggest thing to come through was like, get over yourself, Chris. Like you, there's other people doing this in the world. Like <laughs> it's definitely possible. Go do it. Yeah. It's almost like there's everything that's been done has already been done before. And there is a blueprint for it. It's just finding somebody, uh, well, a number of things, but I think, you know, one of them having a mentor, somebody who's, who's been there before who can, can show you the ropes has got to be massively helpful and probably, something that you help people with at the moment as well. Yeah, hundred percent. And I think the thing that always makes me laugh is someone, someone somewhere will be listening to this right now, Alex, and they'll go, no one's done this in my industry. (laughs) Yeah. And I'm like, okay, a, that's probably not true. But B, even if it was like, look outside of your industry, like someone has, you know, built a business in, you know, any industry, like look at what they've done, study what they've done and kind of go, how, you know, how can I apply that to my, to my business? How can I apply that to where I want to go? Because like, even if you were, a, you know, a, a designer, right? If you're a self-employed designer, you're no different to a self-employed personal trainer, right? You, you still, the, you're only paid for the time that you're working. Mm. So it's the same principles, you know, building a team, growing and kind of marketing, et cetera, to, to build your business. Yeah. And and can you remember back to when you were a kid, do, do you actually remember what you wanted to be growing up or any ideas that you had? Yeah, I I don't really, I, I don't ever remember thinking I'm definitely going to be a footballer, A, because I wasn't any good. Um, <laughs> I just enjoyed playing. Yeah. I, I kind of, I think that's p- part, probably part of my, um, I was going to say problem, but it's not really, but I just, I just never really had a focus of I'm going to do this. I think the biggest thing for me was, um, this is, this is going to sound awful, Alex, uh, but like my parents worked in offices, right? And up in London, you know, we lived just outside of London and they'd get up and go to work from like, you know, they'd be on the train at 7 a.m. They'd get home at like 8 p.m. or whatever. And they, like, they freaking hated it. Yeah. <laughs> so I think in my head, I was like, I just don't want to be working in an office, commuting for an hour and a half there, an hour and a half back. And I think that was my kind of what led me to, I'll go to university and, and just play more sport and hopefully end up in the world of sport. I think that's kind of 
you know, I, I always wanted to health fitness, um, you know, and just enjoying myself was kind of, was kind of the plan for, for the four years at a time, like longest I've ever had was like a three year plan, right, go to university and then figure out what happens next type of thing. Mm. And at what stage did you then decide that you wanted to set up your own business Was that? Was that straight after graduating from uni then? Yeah, I think, I think it was always in my mind. Mm-hmm. I, th- I, cause I just don't, I don't think I've ever s- sort of, you know, even with like the contract work that I did with coaching, uh, or working part-time or whatever in places, I just, uh, I, <laughs> I just always was like, okay, I can't, I can't be doing this. Like, this is just silly. Like there's got to be a better, a better way, you know, that I can control my time. I can, I can be a direct like result of, like I can affect the result, like the outcome. Mm. And I think it was, you know, the, I think in my head, the decision was always made, but there was just too many it's going back to your other thing, obstacles, right? Too many people around you going, go get a job, right? Yeah. And and it just kept eating away. And I was like, oh, you know, do I really want to go get a job? Is that really what I do, what I want to do? Um, and, in, you know, after university, I think I took probably about nine months out, which included three months traveling. And we were with a, just with a friend of mine and uh, out in New Zealand. And I just, you know, he was, he was like, we've got to come up with a plan with what we're going to do when we go back home. <laughs> uh, we've got you know we kind of we've got to stop putting this off now and i think for me i was like screw it like this is a good a time as any there's never a perfect time why don't i just go for it and set up my own you know set up on my own personal training company let's go for it and see what happens and that's i said literally came back had the website and logo designed like asap and just went for it and how how did you get your first client <laughs> uh, the hope and pray strategy, I think it was at the time, Alex. It was wasn't the marketing the funnel gym. then. <laughs> so, so, hope, like standing in the gym, hoping someone would walk up to me and be like, "Hey, like I'm going to give you my credit card so that you can uh, oh. then take payment." Yeah, there were, there, to be honest with you, there was there was when I first started, there was a complete lack of knowledge around marketing, sales, everything. It was just kind of be. You know, I suppose, I suppose now in the social media world, it's be everywhere, right? Be omnipresent. And I think for me at the time, it was right. If I can be the only person that's in the gym all the freaking time, the clients, you know, <laughs> customers see like just by war of attrition, yeah. they'll be like, I'll go use him type thing. So, um, yeah, that was kind of the the painful first two, two, two and a half years of business. Wow. And, and, and what stage did you then think, I suppose, in, in, your, in your mind, your mindset that you could actually take that from a one-man band to to actually create a business so for, so for me there was kind of like a, uh i would I'd, i don't know if you want to call it a breaking point because i'm always terrified that it'll at some point in my life it'll go lower and worse you know what i mean so, yeah but there was the point of you know yeah I, we i think we just moved shelly and i were looking to buy a house and shelly's my wife and we're you know we're like now she was a girlfriend at the time and we're like right you know and I couldn't afford to take her out for freaking dinner, Alex. Like I was like, the idea of a house is like, felt like years and years and years away. Mm. Um, and I was, I had these, I don't know if you, we, I seem to get them like often the brown envelopes that come through the door from HMRC. Right. And one of them, this it said like you owe us, you know, overdue. Then there was another one that said overdue and it was for a different thing. And then there's another one that said overdue. And I was looking at my bank account. I was like, crap, like it's minus, like if it was a positive number, I would have been like, buzzing like mm. you know what i mean but it was so in the red so in the minus i was just like i i don't know what to do mm. and it was kind of at that moment there i was like something's got to change and it was kind of that moment that went okay look just doing more fitness courses and being a better personal trainer isn't going to equal a better business mm. does that make sense yeah yeah absolutely and 
and I, it was at that point where I was like, okay, I've got to change my approach. And I kind of, I was like, you know, again, go all out, play, you know, play full out, go and, and I just dived into the world of business, just dived into the world of marketing and sales. And it turns out I freaking loved it. <laughs> <laughs> like it was the first time I picked up it. Like I didn't, I didn't read books before this, Alex. Like I think the only books I'd ever read were Harry Potter. Um, like I just didn't read. It wasn't something I did. Oh, no really? Because you love yeah, books so, now, don't you? You're always recommending so books. You always love books now. You're always recommending uh, good books to read. I've, I am now constantly reading, like always reading. But it's always a personal development book, a business book, a, you know, yeah. marketing, sales, whatever it is. Because every time I'm reading now, I'm, I'm understanding how I can apply something to my life or to the business. Right? When you're at school, like you're reading books, I was just like, this isn't, this doesn't mean anything. This isn't like, <laughs> it just didn't like get me excited. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so I just dived into the world of business. Died, you know, the first, I can't remember which the first, I think it was like the E-Myth was the first, oh, yeah. one of the first books I bought. Gerber, uh, isn't it? Yeah. By Michael Gerber. There and that go. just totally opened my mind to the mm. idea of building a business. And uh, it's just been a nonstop process of learning and growing since then, really. And just kind of, I guess, uh, implement, fail, <laughs> implement, fail, implement, do a bit better and kind of just keep moving and growing. Yeah, yeah. That's kind of like the the flip side of um, when I spoke to Ted Baker, founder Ray Kelvin, and he was like, I never never understood maths in school. And then somebody put a pound sign in front of it when I started yeah. my first business and, and I got it. <laughs> yeah. Like seriously, it's, it's like it, when you give something like a meaning, like a reason, like I I, yes. I, I, I sucked at maths. It wasn't anything I was ever good at. Like, the idea of a spreadsheet, you like, well, I still, to be fair, they still don't excite me. But mm. now when you're like, okay, great. So I need to get X number of clients and that equals that much revenue. Frick, that's awesome. That now I can now I can have some fun with spreadsheets. Do you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely, absolutely. And and how did you um, fund that move then? Because I, I guess you went from a kind of standard um, path for 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 a trainer to then go from working in uh, a big gym to then opening your own facility, and that that requires money, of course. Hundred percent. It's it's you know money is money is a tool, isn't it? That's what we that mm. we use to to get ourselves stuff. So, I think the the first idea was how can I fund this myself? I kind of I looked at it and going can I fund this myself? And the the honest answer was uh, in the end I probably could have done, but actually like there was no need to if I'm honest. Um, and I, no, actually I'm lying I'm lying to myself there, Alex. I, I probably couldn't have done not to the level that we did it, um, not to the you know the nice kind of fit out that we had. You know, and it's a really basic fit out to begin with, and we've just kind of grown and moved forward as we as we did. And there was that you know whenever you're moving into a an office, well, also as a studio, but there's always going to be that initial big chunk of outlay, mm. um, which I didn't have at the time. Um, and I I went and got a, a business loan, small business loan. Uh, you know, I didn't know about, you know, what, you know, I wish you had been there <laughs> five years ago <laughs> yeah uh, because like that would have, you know, the opportunities like that are huge. And, you know, for me, it was I, it's all joking aside. Like I, I, even now I look back at things. I'm like, I still don't understand why, like, how do I put this? Like I got the loan, didn't read any of like the small print. Do you know what I mean? I just went, yep, they're going to give me money. This can only be a good thing. Yeah. Um, and dived in and, and you know, it's, it's been fine, but I'm sure I could have got better deals, but you know, et cetera, if I'd looked around and actually figured out what I was doing. Mm. And, uh, but yeah, so that was for me, I got a small business loan. I can't remember what, I think the full amount we ended up getting was about, I think 28,000 or something like that. Um, which, which has just funded it from, you know, funded it at the build out, funded, you know, the first couple of months of getting teams sorted, getting clients in marketing. And then since then, it's just been go, go, go. And and 
when you scaled it from that stage, um, what was the first high you made? And, and if you did things differently, would you do them differently with regards to like hiring the right people? Because I always think, you know, it's the hardest thing to get right is, is building the team. Um, so I'd, I'd love to know your thoughts on that as well. Okay, that's it. I'll break that down into two things. The number one was who was the first hire and would I do anything differently since then? Mm. Okay, so with regards to the team. So uh, I think the, I think we had contractors up until the moment that we moved into the studio. And then I was going to, then I said, right, I, you know, I wanted to create a place that served everybody, right? And having personal trainers as contractors didn't make sense. It didn't yeah. serve them, right? Uh, so I was like, okay, cool. We're going to get you guys employed. So we had two, was it two two full-timers from the off or if it wasn't it was one full-timer and then the second came on within a couple of months type thing so um i'm pretty i'm pretty sure it was two from the off um and they were both you know they were both great they allowed they took most of the sessions and you know it kind of worked and moved forward however we always hit a sticking point for the first i'd say six seven months just we got revenue up to a certain figure and then just couldn't break through it yeah and i know that a lot of that comes down to mindset but yeah. it was actually you know and i was like what is what is the barrier here like what mm. is stopping this um and I, you know and i, and I actually got uh, an apprentice admin uh, administrative assistant an apprentice so you you know uh they they go and do a course alongside working full-time mm-hmm. and literally within four weeks the revenue not quite double but when you know just dramatically dramatically increased um and i was just like what on earth has just happened? Yeah. Like I was like, how has this happened? And it's when you realize like you've got someone there picking up the phone, you've got someone there calling the leads as soon as they come in, like not waiting three days to get back to them. They're like three minutes. They put the thing on the line and then someone's already calling them. Like that was the difference. And so I'd say like, obviously the trainers are essential to the business. Like we can't do business without them, but having that admin there was just huge for us. Mm. Yeah. That's, that's a really good point. Um, And, And yeah, I was going to say your second question, second part of that, yeah. would I do anything differently? And I, and you and you said it, you know, finding the right people, hiring the right people is huge. And I, you know, hands up made, made a couple of hiring mistakes in the last few years for sure. Mm. Uh, and it, you know, having someone negative in your business, you know, that, you know, actually this person was actually a very good coach, a very good trainer. And, you know, the, it's just, it, they weren't the right fit for the team. Yeah, and it ate away at the team, and you could see it. Like motivation was decreasing, clients were leaving, and I was like, "What on earth is going on?" This and you know that person's now gone, and you know the mm. business suddenly starts, you know, improving. Like three weeks after they've gone, you're like, "Hmm, yeah, <laughs> was yeah. this connected?" <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. No, I can, I can, one hundred percent relate to that uh, without so, a shadow of a doubt. So for me, like through this, it just there are a few now like hiring principles that I kind of stick to, but ultimately it comes down to like I hire on personality. Yeah, uh, you can teach. You can teach skills, right? Um, so for me, it's about does this person have you know drive? Are they excited to learn? You know, do they have the basic knowledge of what we're doing? Hopefully, um, <laughs> but you know, technical skills you can teach. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. No, totally agree with you that on on that one. Um, and and at the time when you went from one man band to to opening the gym, taking on the loan, in your mind, what what was the worst thing that could have happened then? I, I you know i'm not i think this is a train thing but like at the time i was just like i wasn't i just wasn't focusing on what could go wrong yeah like and, and and it's so easy to do and we all catch ourselves doing it we're like literally the world could end and then you're actually like well 
could it like what like <laughs> literally what is the worst that could happen i'm like yeah. i you know the worst that happened the business fails i've got this loan that i pay back over the next however many years yeah and that's it right it's just money right i go on to the next thing and figure out what the next thing is and but i was kind of more excited about what what could go right mm. and i was like you know at that point terrified the honest answer is i was terrified alex do you know what i mean like the idea of you know taking on a lease for a building i was like is am i is, am i stupid here like this isn't something that anyone that i know has ever done in terms of like family friends etc like this isn't people don't set up their own businesses they go and get a job mm. i was freaking terrified and everyone was like you know when everyone does that that whole yeah, I'm so excited for you. You're freaking mental, but like, I'm so excited <laughs> for you. And they're like, yeah. hmm, what you really mean is, what on earth are you doing? Go get a job type thing. And so it was, yeah, it was absolutely terrifying. And I, you know, I'd never kind of hide that, but I was, you know, constantly like, if this works, this could be so much fun. Like this could be so cool. And and that's kind of, this is what it could create. This is what could allow me to do. Um, and it, you know, it's not, it's never been plain sailing, Alex, by any stretch of the imagination, we've had our downs as well as a few ups. So, mm. you know, it's kind of, it was, yeah, terrifying, but excited. And at what stage, this probably relates to a lot of people listening. Did you transition from being hands-on, um, you know, actually working with the clients day in, day out to actually taking that step back and actually working on the business, growing the team, setting up the right marketing funnels, et cetera. Good. Yeah. Good question. Um, I think with anything in the world of entrepreneurship, Alex, things never, there will never be a right time. No, ever. And I think you should always, you know, you should always do things before you feel like you're ready. Um, because actually you'll never feel ready to do it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. hundred percent. And you know, there was, when was it? There was a, you know, I've, you know, I've always invested in coaching, Alex. It's something that I always do. Like I've always had mentors, coaches around me, people that I um, go to for, a, you know, advice, guidance, coaching. Mm. And there was one point where they're like, you know, to get to the business, you know, I told them my goals. And I was like, look, I want the business to work without me. And they're like, you cannot be the person serving all the clients if, if, you know, if this is what you want to create. Yeah. And, you know, in that moment I went, you know what, you're, you're, you're right. Like, and, and I, and I've essentially at that point made the decision and then kind of created the plan. And to be fair, this was quite, the decision was made quite early on when we launched the studio and it was, to me, it was just all about how do I transition clients to the other trainers? How do I, you know, let people know that I am still here, like the business still exists. I'm just, you know, I'm in the background working on the marketing so that we can actually build the business, you know, working on the business rather than in it. Yeah. Um, you know, again, it comes from that book, the e-myth. So it was kind of like, you know, what are those things that I need to do? And really I probably, probably took a couple of years for me to be like, okay. And, and actually, and having, making sure that we had the right people in place and actually seeing like when I let go of consultations, for example, Alex, that was the one thing I held on to. <laughs> I was like, okay, no one can do it. Like you've all proven that you're better trainers than me. Great. Well done. But no one will be as good as sales as me. Yeah. And then I just, you know, we put it into a system, put it into a process and they started implementing. I was like, crap. <laughs> they can do it too. Yeah. Uh, you know, after a bit of training. And I think once, once I saw them comfortably, you know, signing up new clients, I was like, this is amazing. Great. You guys go for it. That's funny. Cause that when I, had my health and fitness businesses that was the last thing that i let go of as well <laughs> <laughs> there's always something right we always hold on to something thinking yeah. that we're the only people that can do it yeah yeah it was the consultations definitely I think you're the only person who can close you know yeah turns out that's not true that that's absolutely right yeah <laughs> and and can you pinpoint a moment um 
along that and I asked that question because I remember asking this question to, to Richard Reed from Innocent saying you know at what point in that journey from 15 years um, eventually you know selling to, to Coca-Cola for 500 million what, what point in that journey did you think you'd actually made it and you know all your your dreams were possible and, and, and Richard said you know the first seven years we made money every single year we increased the um the revenue and then year eight we lost more than the previous seven years combined so there never was a moment and i was exactly, like, amazed yeah. you know and, and i asked that to everyone since and i and i get a different answer so i i put it to you you know at what, what point did you think that this wasn't a startup anymore that this was you know fully grown business that could support you future family etc <sighs> I, I'd agree. I, I don't think there is ever is that moment, I think, because goals keep changing. But I will put a however on this. <laughs> I th- I think I always knew it was possible. Yeah, that's a good answer. Yeah. Um, you know, even from day one, like I wouldn't have, I genuinely wouldn't have started my own business if it wasn't because, like I started it because you go, right, well, I want to take control of my future, right? And And for me, it was the pure belief that actually setting up my own business would allow me to take control of my future, whatever that was going to be. So, you know, and, and, you know, when I first started, I don't think it was, you know, I wasn't even thinking dream house. I wasn't thinking seven holidays a year. I was literally thinking, you know, can I pay the bills and can, you know, can I, can I potentially buy a house, you know, in the future? Yeah. So I think it's always, I've always known it's possible. And now, you know, like you, like you just said with, um, was it, you say Richard, yeah. um, you know, there will always be ups and downs and there will be years when it's a down and there'll be years when there's fantastic ups. Like I'm, I'm fully aware of that, but so I don't think there is ever a moment where you're like, this is where I realized it was possible. I think I've always known it will and is possible. And that's just something I'm always going after. And your goals change, don't they, Alex? Of course. Yeah, absolutely. Like you kind of go, oh, I've achieved that now. Like the biggest goal for me was like setting up that studio. And that was like, I couldn't even, be- even couldn't even believe that was possible. And then when the, the day we opened the doors, I was like, goal done. Hmm. I was like, right, what's next? Next, Exactly. <laughs> Yeah. And and for you, this year has been about setting up your marketing funnels group and going back to um, Pursuit Fitness and, and you saying, you know, making that transition from trainer to working on the business, not in the business. And you suddenly found out that you, you loved marketing. Is, is this um, an extension of that? It's just taken you, you know, a couple of years to kind of hone down on what you really, really love doing in, in, in a business environment? Yeah, I, th- I think to be honest with you, like, I and and this is kind of um, I don't know if I, I don't know if I've ever shared this, Alex, but uh, kind of going into the, I think I fell into the world of health and fitness, right? Yeah. I think I enjoyed sport. I enjoyed like being active, and I love seeing other people do that. And so that's naturally where I just kind of you know I went to university, studied that. I naturally fell into the world of health and fitness, and you know, and am I passionate about it? Yeah, I like I I, I love it. Um. And it's a good job I've got a business in it. But, you know, then when I came into the world of business and marketing, and I think when you see the difference, like when someone can add, you know, for some people, it's not like you add a thousand pounds a month to someone's like take home and that can literally change their lives. Mm. Like, and that can literally come from a slightly better marketing campaign and being slightly better at selling. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, the changes that someone can make, and I, and I just get so, 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 so excited about it and what that the potential that people have especially when I see people who are freaking amazing at what they do, Alex. Mm. And, and they're like, oh, I just cannot get a client. And I'm like, it's, it's got nothing like a designer, for example. It's like, it's got nothing to do with your design skills. It is all to do with your marketing skills. Let's fix that. And you will have no issues. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. 
Yeah. And and so what would you talk us through the process of how you work now? So if I was a brand new business, for example, who'd come to see me, we've been able to supply them with a startup loan and they're about to open their business. Um, you'd meet up with them for a consultation. T- talk me through that initial um, first couple of first hour, for example, what would you do with them? Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, it depends on uh, depends on the person, depends on the business, depends on as you said where they're at. So if you know if there's someone brand new, uh, what we often find is people are kind of searching for that for that kind of for us. It's always kind of like they know they should be using Facebook ads, for mm. example, right? And they're looking at right. I know I should be using these. How do I set them up? Um, so it, it, for someone who's brand new to it, it's for me, it's about figuring out where they're at what their goals are for the business because ultimately this is always what it comes back to alex ultimately for me a bit all a business is is a vehicle to getting you to where you want to be yeah right so if you if your dream lifestyle is you know i don't know let's say five grand a month right all your business has to do is generate you that five grand a month right there's no point setting up a business that's going to create you 10 grand a month, right? If you just cannot be asked and cannot deal with the stress that a 10 grand a month business has compared to the five five grand a month business. Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. Alternatively, flip it around. Someone wants to earn 20 grand a month and they're looking at the sort of two, three grand a month now and they just don't understand. They don't understand the plan and the strategy of how to take it from where they are now to where they want to go. So for me, it's all about understanding where someone wants to go what and 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 really kind of creating a plan about how they're going to get there that's that's really all it is and then it comes down to implementation mm. and, that, and that's kind of the focus i think it's it's about making sure that they understand right what are the key strategies where are my market and how do i reach them so re- reverse engineering that that end goal that they they have 100 percent. Mm. yeah yeah 100 percent. and you know what when you do that it normally like if you like if you said right in 10 years i want to have X, X number of pounds a month, whatever it is. And that means I need to have you know 500 clients or whatever it is, Alex, right? Mm. When you work backwards and you go, okay, so that means within the next year, I need to have 10 clients. And then within the next week, I need to go and set up three Facebook ads. I'm like, okay, well, that's very achievable. I can yeah. go and do that. Do you know what I mean? It's normally much less like what they need to do now to be able to go and accomplish that long-term goal. Mm. And, and, um, what do you see as the next steps for, for your business for for marketing funnels group? How do you see that uh, developing? Yeah, I'm super 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 excited. So we've got two two things actually going live like today, um, and two things I think you're going to share with your audience as well. So I'll, I'll, I won't mention them just yet. But um, for me, it's there's kind of two stages, right? The two kind of groups of people that I'm just so excited to help. It's the the people that you've just described, Alex. The people that are just starting. They've just got you know perhaps they've just got some funding, uh, and they're really like okay what's the first step that I need to do with, you know, Facebook ads, for example, what's the first implementation and really implementing sales funnels, marketing funnels, uh, and really understanding the journey that someone goes on from having never heard about you to becoming a raving fan and putting, you know, buying everything that you put out. Mm -hmm. And the second group is the people that are like, they've been in business a few years, they're cranking or, you know, they're not doing, they've got marketing set up, but it's not going as well as they, you know, would want it to. And that's where we then come in and go, right, okay, look, like the other day, Alex, we, you know, just through changing the, like the times that someone's ads were showing, we could, we like, they could have got like an extra, I think it was like 17 leads the month before, just through changing the times their ads were showing. Mm-hmm. And I was like this, you know, no change in ad spend, just look at where your ads are showing, what time they're showing. And you can dramatically increase the number of people coming into the top of your business, you know, and 
And yes, that's a bit more, you know, that's once you've got your ads up and running, let's have a look at that. Um, but, you know, that can make a huge difference to businesses that are already kind of active and looking to scale. Yeah, well, excited to share um, what, you're, what you're offering to our audience um, as well. Where, where's the best place people get, can get in touch with you and where can we, we can send listeners to find out more about um, getting some help with their business? Awesome. I said, so I'd say for, for the moment, if I'm Chris Wright HQ on everything, so uh, okay. Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, if you go Chris Wright, which is W R I G H T H Q, um, you'll be able to find me on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, etc., and would love to hear from anybody who's, who's listening to this. And in fact, I challenge you to reach out and say, hi, I'd love to connect with you. Love it. Uh, in fact, can I make them a challenge, Alex? You can. I'd love you to either message me somewhere, maybe Twitter and bit to give me one thing that you've taken or learned from uh, from this from this uh, interview that'd be really really cool I'd love to hear what people are taking away from this that's, that's uh, and really if they cool. go to chriswrighthq.com uh, you'll be able to see that's just kind of my personal uh, page you'll be able to come and uh, chat with me there come and say hello uh, and if you go to if I can I give you the free the two free things that they can grab Alex why don't you do it now perfect perfect so if you go to chriswrighthq.com forward slash free so f-r-e-e you'll be able to go and grab a seven step uh kind of cheat sheet if you like to setting up successful facebook ads so that's kind of for the people that are like brand new just want to get the ads up and cranking uh, and for those who've already got ads running and are like i want to know how i can optimize these ads how i can get them like absolutely like full throttle going for it and making sure i'm getting the most out of my marketing spend if you guys go to chriswrighthq.com forward slash audit so a u d i t you'll be able to just sign up for either you can either do the instant one which is like doesn't require any conversation but i'm a people person we like to chat to people or you can request the uh the phone call and we sit down for like an hour and just go over your uh your business ads and both of those are totally free that's awesome and um i think that probably leaves us at a really good point in the conversation nice is is there i feel like i've just been rambling on for, for a while alex is there, no, no i've been i've been pulling things out of you whilst you you have a no clue <laughs> all the nuggets good good I'm, I'm hopefully there's some uh, some value there for your audience yeah massively chris um as always really appreciate you um coming on and having a chat and look forward to catch up with you soon absolutely likewise and i look forward to uh hearing from your audience and uh, hopefully a few of them will reach out as well That was awesome. Love talking to Chris. Could talk to him for hours and hours. And I really hope you take him up on his challenge by contacting him at Chris Wright HQ on um, any of the channels he mentioned, Twitter, etc. And also taking him up on the two offers, the seven step cheat sheet for Facebook ads, um, chriswrighthq.com forward slash free. Or if you're a little bit further along in your business, go to chriswrighthq.com forward slash audit. Um, couple of takeaways from there. Um, what do you hire on? Chris saying he hires on personality. I could totally relate to that. Um, it's something that I do now, whereas in the past, I have to say I haven't. I made a classic mistake of hiring on qualification. So picking the most qualified people, most experienced people that I could. And they're not necessarily the right fit for your organization. Do they share the same values? Mine definitely didn't and they were very resistant to change because they were so ingrained with doing something in a certain way so now I think it's very much picking the best talent that's out there irrespective of age 
Um, focusing on the positive, not the negative. So my question to Chris about uh, what's the worst thing that could have happened when he set up your business and, and Chris saying he always focused on the positive. He was never thinking of the negative. What was always the best thing that could happen to him? Um, totally agree with that. And the biggest one for me um, is your business being a vehicle to get you towards where you want to be. So um, looking at the best way to do that is to look at where you want to be, what lifestyle you want to have in the future. Is that, you know, 10 years away, for example, and then reverse engineering that process and finding out, you know, does the business that you're currently working in able to provide you with that lifestyle in the future? Does it have the right income streams? Is the business model set up to provide you with that? If it's not, then maybe you need to think about changing that um, because you want that lifestyle. You want to be where you envisage your your life for you and your family is going to be. And, it, and if the current business isn't able to provide you with that, and again, I can totally relate to that with a previous business, it was never going to be able to sustain the lifestyle that I wanted, then you need to shift that and do something different. Um, and those are the words I shall finish on. Um, thank you very much indeed for listening. I look forward to speaking to you all again next week. If you'd like the opportunity to attend one of our live events with some of the world's leading entrepreneurs, just go to startupu.co.uk and click on the events calendar. That's startupu with the letter U. From there, you'll be able to see what live events we've got coming up and book a ticket from as little as £5, which includes a complimentary drink and the opportunity to network with like-minded entrepreneurs. Hope to see you soon. If you're an entrepreneur looking for funding, mentoring or support, go to startupu.co.uk. And if you'd like to share your startup story, we'd love to hear from you. Just go to the contact page on startupu.co.uk and we'll be in touch. And if you like this podcast, please subscribe and I'd love it if you left me a review of the show. To connect with me personally, you can find me on Twitter, LinkedIn and Facebook at Alex Chisnell. Until the next show, remember don't wait. The time will never be just right. Action always beats intention. This show is brought to you by RocketSpark, who make it easy for anyone to build a great-looking website. Each month, RocketSpark offer one lucky listener the opportunity to get a website absolutely free for the next six months to do some in-market testing of a new idea. Just go to rocketspark.com slash screw it, just do it to enter.